Raiders is a team that we don't care for. Something, something, With Lord Lattimore Volk, Jess Place, and Tim Lynch. Yes, my master. Get involved in the conversation at milehighreport.com. Welcome to Something Something Broncos. I'm Lori Lattimore Volkman, and I'm here today with Mark Bergen, who hosts the Believe in Steelers podcast with two time Super Bowl champ Ike Taylor to talk about the upcoming Broncos Steelers matchup. All right, thanks for coming on, Mark. Great to have you. Lori, it's a pleasure to join the show. It's an honor to be among the doctor of words, too. So thanks for having me. <laughs> ah, I see you've checked out my Twitter. Yes, yes. So let's get into this. Why are the Steelers so bad this year? <laughs> <laughs> the offense has just been an absolute mess. Three game losing streak right now, scoring, failing, failing to score less than 17 points during that three game losing streak in each of those games. And right now, in my opinion, the onus falls on Ben Roethlisberger in year 18, age 39. And We've seen this dating back to last season when the Steelers lost five of the last six. They open this season, lose three of their first four. I think this is his last ride. He's in the final year of his contract, but he has really struggled. And if you just look at the box score from week four, say, and the loss to the Packers, you look at it, 26 of 40, 200 and some change, a touchdown and an interception. You might think to yourself, that isn't that bad. But when you see that he's consistently throwing short of the sticks time and time and time again, everything is the short passing game, which has served as an extension of the running game, which we'll get into. But Ben Roethlisberger has thrown 52 passes this season on third and fourth down. 24 of those passes have been short of the sticks. You have him again, year 18, age 39. The Steelers offense has the highest percentage of pass plays in the NFL at 73%. They're also dead last in the league in rushing at 221 yards. You bring in Najee Harris, who's actually been pretty good when the Steelers have used him. But even if you had elite quarterback play, it's not a recipe for success with Big Ben throwing the ball 40 or 50 times in a game, given his advanced age. And the offensive problems continue to compound themselves, especially considering you have a young offensive line. So we'll get more into it, but. To answer your question, this offense right now is just broken. It's an absolute mess if you're a Steelers fan. <laughs> so it's funny because one of my questions is going to be, when are you going to bench Big Ben? Like, is that, do you think they would actually do that? I think maybe the better question is not whether they will, but should they? So I think they're going to stick with the future Hall of Famer. And like, this is not to discount anything Big Ben's accomplished in his career. Two Super Bowl titles, three Super Bowl appearances, but should they is probably the better question for the time being. They're not going to my co-host Ike Taylor theorizes that they're going to blame it on injury. So he's already dealing with a bum shoulder. Now we hear about this week that he's dealing with the hip injury. So I think that's the way that the Steelers might do it to more gracefully say, we're either going to go with Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins. Now Rudolph in the 2019 season, 2019 season struggled filling in for Big Ben, and the Steelers had to turn to an undrafted rookie in Devlin Duck Hodges, who's no longer in the NFL anymore. <laughs> so, <like>, who? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. 
And then Dwayne Haskins, a former first round pick over in Washington comes over. He's only under contract this season. So at some point I'd like to see one of them get a shot unless big Ben miraculously turns it, turns everything around. But Really, it goes back to the struggles of the running game and just establishing the run. You have to go back to week six of the 2020 season. That is the last game the Steelers ran the ball more than they threw it. So we know that Big Ben gets the ball out of his hands faster than any quarterback in the league. This offense has become very predictable. If they go three, four, five wideouts, you know that Big Ben in the shotgun formation is going to get the ball out quick. And they don't have the offensive line right now to go to that intermediate to long range passing game because you're starting two rookies on the offensive line. And then left guard Kevin Dotson is a second year player. So you have a young offensive line, an offensive line that ranks last in the NFL and salary cap allocation. The Steelers spend about $12 million on their offensive line. Look, you get what you pay for in this league. And that is clearly evident and part of the Steelers problems offensively. Yeah, well, <laughs> the Broncos know a lot about these same issues. I mean, we have had a terrible offensive line for many years. But, and I would even argue that in our Super Bowl run, we didn't have a great offensive line, but we had Peyton Manning, who also could get the ball out quickly and, you know, could read a defense faster than you could say his name. So it was like you didn't need the offensive line to be as good. But since then, We've had quarterbacks that definitely needed a good offensive line and they didn't have it. And it makes such a difference. I mean, do you, do you foresee your offensive line be able to handle the Broncos defensive line and especially Von Miller and uh, even, even Malik Reed, we don't even have our top edge rushing duo, but we have Von Miller and we have Malik Reed. How are they going to, how are they going to handle it? How is big Ben going to handle it? Because traditionally we've had a tough time with big Ben because he's, you know, he's like a volcano trying to bring him down. He just can't do it. Well, Lori, thank you for uh, Bradley Chubb being out. That certainly helps the Steelers <laughs> on yeah. Sunday. In, in all honesty, because you pair him opposite Von Miller, you've got a, a Batman and Robin duo off right. the edge in Denver there. Again, I want to see the Steelers try to establish the ground game, and especially with the young line, the muscle memory and putting their weight on opposing defensive line. What that does to wear on a team as you get into the second half and specifically into the fourth quarter of games. Now that we're into the month of October, the weather's start going to start to get colder as well. Why you would put Big Ben back there and throw the ball 40 or 50 times doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And to get the running game going, I'd like to see him under center, not in a shotgun formation, but under center taking snaps. Steelers haven't done that for whatever reason. Now, I don't know if it's because Big Ben's not comfortable doing that or if new offensive coordinator Matt Canada, he's in his first year, he's an internal hire. He was the quarterback's coach a year ago, taking over for Randy Feekner. The offense wasn't getting it done last season. So then they promote Canada internally to, to be the offensive coordinator. But I go back to the stats of Steelers offense throwing the ball at a higher rate than any team in the league. And the fact that they are dead last in the, in the league in rushing in the off season, the owner Art Rooney, the second said, we are never going to finish last in the NFL in rushing. That is something coming down from ownership, which is why you draft Najee Harris in the first round out of Alabama. 
he's actually played really well. Yeah. He has the most yeah. scrimmage yards of any rookie in the league right now. And this is a talented rookie class, considering you've got Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Javante Williams, which you know all about over in Denver. Yeah. But there's only so much he can do if you're not going to give him the opportunities or if you're going to try to get him going in the passing game. Like, I'd like to see the big guys up front. It's a line of scrimmage game. I want to see them dominate the line of scrimmage. And to do that, I think it's not just committing to the run, but establishing it as well. And the Steelers have not done that through four weeks of the 2021 season. Has Mike Tomlin talked about why that is? I mean, when you do have a quarterback who's struggling, you do have Najee Harris. Like, why aren't they using him? So... Tomlin earlier this week said everything is correctable except Big Ben's mobility at this point in his career. So, you know, you don't really have an answer for that or the lack thereof mobility, I should say. But I go to more of these stats where you look at Roethlisberger's QBR, fifth worst in the NFL, and the only people who rank behind them are rookies, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Davis Mills, and Justin Fields. So it's like, again, why would the onus fall on him to throw the ball 40 or 50 times a game? But the Steelers have had to do that because they've been facing deficits late in the game to where if you're down multiple scores, you're not just fighting a deficit. You're fighting the clock at that point in the game. In week four, when the Steelers scored on the first drive, I was like, oh my gosh, the defense finally playing with a lead. But then you realize we've got to go up against Aaron Rodgers, the reigning NFL MVP. So you face that struggle. The offense right now, like it, it's, it's such, it's so frustrating because I do think that the Steelers have a pretty, pretty good defense, right? But if they're stuck on the field for the majority of the game, the Steelers have lost time of possession in three of their first four games. And by the time you get to the fourth quarter, this defense is just worn out because the offense isn't even winning the field position game, let alone putting points up on the board. So it's like, you know, you've got some defensive playmakers, but the offense just continues to struggle. And like, that's, that's the question I have moving forward is that, you know, at what point you respect the hall of famer in big Ben, the future hall of famer, but at what point is it best for this team to see what either Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Caskins can do at the quarterback position? Because again, I mean, I know it's a four game sample size still young in this season, but some of the problems we're seeing date back to last season and the latter half of last season. So it's like, at what point do you have to do what's best for your football team? But at least for the time being, they think big Ben's the guy. And, and to me, that really remains to be seen. And they're going to, they're going to stick with the loyalty. They're going to stick with the fact that he's been the guy for the last 18 years and been, you know, an elite quarterback in this league. And yeah. again, what I'm saying is taking nothing away with what he's done in his career, but in the NFL, it's what have you done for me lately? And we haven't gotten enough from Big Ben in this offense, again, dating back to last season. This has been the last five years of our lives in Broncos country is yeah. a quarterback throwing short of the sticks and offense getting off the field way too early, you know, three and out almost all the time and having a defense that's very athletic and quite good, but you know, they can't we have this same issue. I mean, we don't go up against Aaron Rodgers most of the time, but we go up against Patrick Mahomes and now Justin Herbert twice, you know, tw twice a season, each one. So that's like, you know, your defense has to be rested to go up against those guys and has to be firing on all cylinders to be able to do what it does, which is use its speed and its disguise to disrupt the, their offense. But if they're exhausted, they can't do that. And we have lost time of possession more often than I can count over the last five years. You're saying in the AFC West, you're talking my turkey right now. 
is <laughs> ask the teams that are elite at running the football. Ask the Ravens defense how they like Lamar Jackson and company leading the lead as, as a team in rushing yeah. nearly every year. Ask Absolutely. the same thing about the Cleveland Browns defense, how they like the duo of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in that backfield. Ask the Tennessee Titans defense how they like having King Henry in the backfield yeah. for the Titans. A, a Tennessee Titans defense that isn't even all that good. But the <laughs> fact that the clock keeps moving, they get to be off the field, they get to rest what that does for defense playing complimentary football. So, Laura, you're talking my turkey when you say that. Well, so you're right about Najee Harris because I recall, at least from the last game, wasn't his, his average gain was about six yards each time per carry, right? Like, you can, even if you're playing Aaron Rodgers, it seems to me like you can make the Packers play your game if you if you keep running and wear them down and you keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. I mean, if, if Najee Harris can keep getting you first downs, you know, probably, or hopefully, then you don't need big Ben, but it doesn't seem like they've even really made that commitment. Question you ask yourself is, do you fault big Ben for that? Do you fault the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada for that? Do you fight uh, blame Tomlin for that saying, Hey, you're the head coach establish this but again if you're facing multiple score a uh, multiple score deficit and you're chasing the clock again it's like it's just like a cyclical problem and it's just like something's got to give here at some point and I, I i tell you what though like it just watching this offense on the field if it's predictable for me as a <laughs> yeah. fan of the team yeah. i can't even imagine what it's like for an opposing defense that has scouted the steelers that week or for a defensive coordinator who who, again, who has done all the scouting in preparation for the game. So it, it, it's, oh yeah, I, I'm asking these questions and then I should say, I hope you do the exact same thing this week because that yeah. will definitely help the Broncos. <laughs> so you do have, let's say big Ben turns a corner and he's on target this, this weekend. Um, you have some amazing receiving targets, right? The, I, I don't even look at it from that standpoint. I look at it from, is he going to have the time for that to happen? <laughs> I think the Steelers are actually pretty talented when it comes to their skill position players. Some of them are injured though. I mean, Chase Claypool's working through a hamstring injury right now. He was limited in practice on Wednesday. We're recording this on Thursday. So we'll see the practices today. What happens Friday in preparation for Sunday's game Sounds like he's going to at least give it a go. And then Juju Smith-Schuster is dealing with a rib injury right now. He was also limited on Wednesday. So do those two guys play? Because the Steelers do have some depth at the receiving position. But I would like to, to more comfortably answer that question. I'd like to see at least one or two of them go. Because then if they don't play, you're down to Deontay Johnson, who's, in my opinion, the Steelers' best receiver but then you might have to play a Ray Ray McLeod who normally plays in more of a special teams role for the Steelers yeah, yeah. and look to more of the backups. It does give me some, you know, comfort knowing that Patrick Sertan, the second, I know he's dealing with the chest injury too. So it's like, I think maybe the better question to that, it, to answer your question with the question would be who suits up on Sunday, because, <laughs> right. you know, if everyone's, if everyone's healthy, I do like the Steelers depth. Uh, but again, I go back to, is Big Ben going to even have enough time back in the pocket to be able to throw? Given his advanced age at this stage in his career, it's not like he's all that mobile. So he's kind of a statue yeah. back there. 
it, it's not so much the secondary is up front. Is he going to have enough time? Now, I will say this. Steelers offensive line in week four didn't play that poorly. He was pressured only 7% of the time on his 40 throws, and he was hit only five times. ESPN stats and info, it's the lowest percentage by a quarterback with 40 pass attempts in a loss dating back to 2013. So this offensive line's gotten a lot of grief saying, oh, they're young and it's not that good. They actually played pretty well against Green Bay, but, you know, going against Von Miller, one of the elite defensive players in the league, Steelers have their work cut out from them from the offensive standpoint on Sunday. How do you feel about your defense going against the Broncos offense? You know, a lot depends on the quarterback. The Steelers have a pretty good defense. Do you think that you win that matchup? I would hope so. And it all starts up front for the Steelers. Cam Hayward, the defensive tackle, is, I mean, maybe other than Aaron Donald, the premier elite defensive tackle in the league. And the Steelers' defense, it, it all starts with him. You build your house from the ground up. And I know T.J. Watt gets a lot of the accolades and a lot of the love and the production he's able to put up off the edge. There's a reason why the Steelers awarded him a massive contract extension on the eve of this season, considering he led the league in sacks last year and tackles for loss. He's a tremendous player. But Cam Hayward up front is, in my opinion, the Steelers' most important player He's also dealing with a neck injury right now. So sounds like he's going to be able to go on Sunday, but without Cam Hayward on the field, this Steelers defense is just drastically, drastically different. And I've got some stats for you too, Lori, that back what I'm saying about this. Right. When he's on the field, the Steelers run defense allows three yards per carry. When he is off the field, the Steelers allow 8.1 yards per carry. Okay, can Tells we keep all him off the field? Yeah. <laughs> Please, because yeah. our running backs are quite good, We, but they need a little help. So, I, I, Hey, I like Javante Williams, the rookie out of North Carolina, and I tell you what, that run he had. Unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. It, it's, it dates back to some of his footage when he was playing for the North Carolina Tar Heels where yeah. he's just breaking every tackle. And, like, that scares me if the Broncos are able to establish their running game, keep the Steelers defense on the field. I think that's going to be a huge battle as the battle of the trenches just to see if this, if the Broncos, even, even if drew lock is playing for me, I would say this, if the Broncos win time of possession, I, I like their chances of winning on Sunday because the Steelers defense is the team's strength. But what happens is they get left on the field too long and Given the struggles of the offense, it's like more of the onus falls on the defense to play a near perfect game. And that's, that's again, been my frustration with the Steelers offense is that, you know, you look at the week one win against the Buffalo Bills, you have to go back to as a special teams play. The Steelers blocked a punt, recovered it and scored a touchdown. That's really the key play in that one, how they were able to beat Buffalo, who's now sitting at three and one entering week five. So again, I, I, the Steelers defense has played really, really well, but it's like, at what point do they kind of fold? And, you know, there's only so much they can do if the defense is left on the field too long, but it all starts up front for that Steelers defense. They've always had a very stout front seven. Yeah. And uh, again, Cam Hayward, he is the man up front for Pittsburgh. I mean, it's the steel curtain, right? You've got to, you got to keep that mantra. <laughs> Yeah, so speaking of 
Well, first of all, that the run from Javante Williams. <laughs> Did you happen to see Kyle Brandt on the on Good Morning Football? His angry runs. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, it 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 was the perfect run for that show because like he just keeps carrying tacklers with him all the way down the field, and we're gonna need more of that, I'm sure. Um, but we've had a, a similar issue of establishing the run. Like we keep, you know, we do it, we do it a little bit, but really we've had the same Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams have both had pretty good stats when it comes to yards per carry. Pat Shermer hasn't really shown that he likes to do that. So. It, it sounds like you much prefer Bridgewater to start this game over Locke. It wasn't even as much what Teddy did on the field. It was watching how the team responded to Teddy. And I felt like that has been a missing piece. Well, and well there's a slogan too, Lori, to say that the sideline tells the story. And you can just see how a sideline reacts after a big play, after a touchdown, after a key first down conversion, and just what that does to the morale of a team versus a guy who might just be back there, but the team's not fully behind. And I tell you what, with Drew Locke, and I, I'm a Mizzou alum, so I ah! love Drew Locke dating back to my college days, but I'm not sure there's ever been a quarterback who's more benefited from a rap song than Drew Locke with his young Jeezy rapping on the yeah, sidelines. Because yeah. like, you know, that's when you say Drew Locke at the NFL level, that's what you think of instead of, you know, where's the guy who's, you know, got tremendous arm talent and can sling the ball all around the field. We haven't seen that in the NFL. And when we have seen it, he it's been either one of two things. It's a high risk, high reward kind of thing. Exactly. And he hasn't been as good as he needs to be at an NFL level protecting the football. So it's, again, when you think of Drew Locke at the NFL level, the first image that comes to my mind is him rapping to young Jeezy on the sideline. Yeah. And at the time, Broncos fans enjoyed it. We all loved it on Twitter and it was great that week. Yeah. But you're right. Like it, there's never been any follow through with actually great play. I have nothing against Drew Locke. I just now I feel like having having seen kind of how he came in last week and even watching him in his press conference, I just feel like I don't see that next level ever happening. Hey, we need a quarterback in Pittsburgh. So (laughs) (laughs) maybe we can do a little switcheroo there at the game. (laughs) Drew might just stay behind. Who knows? (laughs) What I wanted in the offseason was to see him be the Josh Allen of Denver, right? And, Mm. And I know it's tough to come in as a backup in the middle of a game. And so people were kind of making that excuse. You know, he didn't have the reps. He kind of, you know, he's not expecting to play. And I, I do get all that, but at the same time, that is your job as a backup quarterback is to be ready to play. And we have seen multiple times over many decades that a backup quarterback sometimes comes in and has an amazing game. I'm very curious how Teddy responds this week. I'm curious how he's able to finish out the season because that's going to say a lot about whether this team ends up talking potential playoffs or whether we're looking at firing the coach, top of the draft again, <laughs> starting all over. Well, especially as a tough division that you play in. And I know Teddy Bridgewater, when he's been on the field, I think he's played well. But the big question with him is, can he stay healthy? The best ability is availability. Yeah. And it's nice to see him get his opportunity this year. But yet again, I mean, like it, concussion can happen to any player. But yeah. for one reason or another, he hasn't been able to stay on the field. 
And I know what you're saying too, because that's been the frustration and dating back to when Gary Kubiak was still the coach in, in Denver is you haven't been back to the playoffs since he was there. And since that Super Bowl run. And I, I tell you what, I know Vic Fangio has taken his lumps, but what I would say is this, if he ends up losing his job at the end of the season, again, you've got a gauntlet of the division considering you've got to play yeah. the chargers and the chiefs twice in your division. But if Fangio ends up losing his job, I would imagine that some team would be able to bring him in as a defensive coordinator because when he was in Chicago, they had a defense that was scary. So, you know, if you end up getting rid of Fanny Pack, Fangio, fine, but I think he would have no problem finding work in this league, maybe not as a head coach, but from what he can do as a defensive coordinator, I know that's something that the Bears definitely miss in Chicago is his presence as the D.C., I don't want to lose Fangio. I really like Fangio. He's kind of old school leader, but he get he has such rapport with the players. We have fans who are like, can he still stay on as defensive coordinator if we fire him? <laughs> like, I don't think that's going to go over very well. I, I mean, I would keep him partly just to keep the defense because we have seen that same magic that he worked with Chicago do it with Denver. I mean, last year we were on our 10th cornerback by the end of the season. Yeah. And he's, and we still had a top five defense injuries are a killer. And even with injuries, he was able to do some amazing things with guys that, you know, aren't in the NFL. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm sure you are quite aware of the magical Steelers Broncos game that every Broncos fan can't help but watch highlights of i'm gonna play dumb laurie we were talking about last year's matchup where uh bud dupree <laughs> left drew locks carcass on the field at mile high is that what we're You're talking not. about here okay we are not talking about that we that's are that's the game i remember there's a guy you may have heard of him he was playing this year for a little while tim tebow he <laughs> despite not even being quarterback material probably is the source of many, many Pittsburgh tears. I have to think that those terrible towels were soaked in that playoff game with that what 60 yard bomb to uh, Demarius Thomas. To, You're to trying to break my heart, aren't you? Oh my goodness. Those, those were just the good old days. So my question actually, obviously that wasn't really a question. What is your favorite Steelers loss to the Broncos? <laughs> See, this is my podcast, so I can ask that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I do remember that that magical Tebow season. He did that to several teams that year where they, they were just barely in the game. He'd turn it on in the second half, specific, specifically the fourth quarter, and yeah. he just made magic happen, whether it was the fourth quarter or overtime. And then we'd turn on the TV on Monday, and we'd see Stephen A. and Skip Bayless debating about it on first take rinse and repeat for the duration of that season. <laughs> so yeah. oh, to answer your question, again, the first game that comes to my mind is last season's game where it, you had TJ Watt coming off the edge, Bud Dupree cleans up and Drew Locke's trying to roll out, make a play happen. And he absolutely gets crushed by Bud Dupree. That's the, that's the first one that comes to my mind. But I, I, I tell you what, when you talk, when you talk Steelers Broncos, you are, you, are, you are right, Lori. It's, it's that playoff loss to Tim Tebow. Um, you know, not to mention, I don't want to make excuses, but you know, Steelers without Ryan Clark in that game too, so they're with their backup safety as well. 
Uh, and I think we really need to relitigate all of that much. You're trying to break <laughs> my heart a little bit here. I'd love to go to Heinz Field. Love to be at that stadium. It seems like a great place to see a game. I think despite all our different issues, it will probably be, you know, a, a pretty close game. That's my thinking. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying, you've got to go back to the 2003 season. It's the last time the Steelers had a sub-500 season. Mike Tomlin's in year 15. He yeah. doesn't have a sub-500 season. <laughs> so it, you're talking about win-loss totals. The Steelers at the start of the season was eight and a half. And my co-host, Ike Taylor, and I are both looking at each other saying, it's not in his resume to have a losing season. Yeah, It's not in his resume. Yeah. So Again, through four weeks right now, if you had to ask me, Mark, what do you think is going to happen? I think this might be the first year you have that. And I know that frustrates Steelers fans quite a bit, but you look at the organization's track record of success, six Super Bowl titles. I know they've struggled in the last five to 10 years in the playoffs. I, I understand that. I know that. But think about how many other fan bases in this league would love to be in Pittsburgh's shoes. Again, oh, yeah. Mike Tomlin, year 15. And you haven't been below 500. Yeah. How many I'm, other franchises would love to trade shoes with that? So, I mean, this season might be a bit of a transition when, you know, Big Ben's on his last ride and everything, and you figure out who his heir is and you try to navigate that because he has been a Hall of Fame quarterback for this organization. I to give Mike Tomlin the benefit of the doubt because I go back to something he said last year. And the Washington football team was the first team the Steelers lost to in the 2020 season. And he's talking with Chase Young, who out of Ohio State is one of the top draft picks in the league. And he's just chit-chatting with Chase Young. And he's just looking at him. And he says, I never draft high enough to get guys that look like you. And you look at the highest draft pick <laughs> the Steelers have had under Mike Tomlin during his tenure. Devin Bush with the 10th overall pick just a few years ago and they traded up to get Bush as well. So they traded with you know, us. They traded with the Broncos. See, <laughs> you see what could happen if the Steelers do have their first losing season. Maybe you get a little bit of a better draft pick. Maybe you bottom out and then sort out who big Ben's error is. What I would more so prioritize is making sure that you, in, you invest capital, whether that's draft capital or finding a free agent in helping upgrade the offensive line. And you try to go from there. And I'll say this, as long as they're under contract, you might as well see what you have in Mason Rudolph, who in my opinion is a backup, but you might as well see what you have in him. And then if you've got Dwayne Haskins around, like, look, I, I, I'm going to question a little bit of the infrastructure over in Washington that they had while he was there, but he was a first round talent out of Ohio yeah. state. So see what he can do while he's under contract. If, if Big Ben and the Steelers aren't going to get it done, I at least want to see some of those players get game reps at some point this season if, if it doesn't go the way that we want it to go. And maybe the Steelers could turn it around. Do I see it happening? In, in, a, short, in a short answer, no. How many more losses would you endure before you decide? All right. I, I'm right there right now. I, I'm serious. I'm Three serious losses? because <laughs> – you, you laugh at that, but I, I date back to what I saw last season, and it's, and it's the reason why you make a change at the offensive coordinator position to try to figure that out. But the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, and it's the same issues we saw a year ago 
And it's, if you're going to keep trying the same thing and you fail to establish the run, like, I feel like I'm a broken record here, but <laughs> like, I, I am, if I'm not there, Lori, I'm like right on the cusp that that's how I am right now. And again, this states, it's not just the first four games of this season. It's the problems we saw on the back half of the 2020 season as yeah. well. Yeah. All right. So answer this, the Steelers win if, and the Steelers lose if against the Broncos on Sunday. Okay. Good question. Uh, they win if they can establish Najee Harris, whether it's on the ground game. They, they've done a good job of getting him involved in the passing game. But if he's going to have like, he had something like 14 receptions a few weeks ago. And it's like, okay, you're just going to keep throwing swing passes to this guy out of the backfield. Like there's only so much that that can work. Yeah. I would say they win if they establish Najee Harris on the ground see if you can build on the 60 or so yards he had against Green Bay a week ago, give him the ball 20, 25, 30 times. And if he gets winded, okay, that's why you have a Benny Snell on this roster. Last year's fourth round pick, Anthony McFarland, still working his way back from a knee injury. He will not play in this one, but the Steelers just took him off IR, meaning they'll need to do that here in the next 21 days. So, you know, he might not go this weekend, but at a step like, he, he was, you know, kind of the shiny new toy, again, a fourth-round draft pick, not a first-round draft pick, but someone that the Steelers brought in a year ago to try to get this running game going. Uh, establishing the receivers, to getting the ball out to Deontay Johnson, who's done a great job at catching the football this season. He had a case of the drops, led the league in drops a season ago. This year, he doesn't have a single drop thus far. So uh -huh. that's something that's been very – when he's got the ball in, in open space and the ball in his hands, he's terrific. So establishing those two players, I'd say Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson offensively. And then they lose if, I would say, if that defense gets stuck on the field for 35 plus minutes in this game. Again, that's been the recipe other teams have used. Steelers have a good defense, but if they get stuck out, out there on the field too long. Um, I, again, I'm looking at time of possession in this game because, Lori, I look at the over-under, 39 and a half points in this game. Points are going to be a premium just because, you know, they're not expecting a whole lot from either offense in this game. I will say this too. One other note. I was surprised that the Steelers were favored in this game, despite the fact that this game would be played at Heinz Field. Now, that also comes with the caveat. If both teams are even, odds makers usually give the home team about three points. But maybe that's to, you know, who these two teams have played thus far in the 2021 season. Steelers opponents records 12 and four Broncos opponents records five and 11. So you mentioned those three wins against the giants, the Jags and the jets for losing to the Ravens in week four. I think that also contributed to the spread because when I first saw it and I'm just looking at both teams records, Broncos three and one Steelers one and three, I'm like, how are the Steelers favored in this one, even though they are playing at home? Yeah. Well, they beat the bills. <laughs> we, we beat the jets. <laughs> I don't know. How I don't know how that happened in all honesty. And it, what I would say is I go back to that. It was a special teams play where you're not going to get a key special teams play in every game. And it was that special teams play in week one, where I, I think that's going to be one of those games where we look back on in the 2021 season, where we kind of scratch our head and say, how the heck did that happen in yeah. week one against Buffalo? The Broncos special teams has been fairly horrendous. So there's a chance you'll get another, you know, kick return for a touchdown <laughs> because our coverage has been just awful. So I wouldn't mind that Ray Ray McLeod is a good return man for Pittsburgh. And he always seems like right on the cusp of busting one. He's, 
He's a very good return man. He always seems like he's either a half step or one move away from from cutting loose. He's very, very, in a, he's shifty as, in a, as a return man, but he always seems like he's just one move away. So like the Steelers need all the help that they can get in terms of putting points on the board. Yeah. So that's music to my ears. Well, great. <laughs> okay, so last question. What's your score prediction? I've got Broncos winning 20 to 17 on the road at Heinz Field. Oh. Now, I think a lot of that is also going to be be contingent upon Teddy Bridgewater playing, which I do expect him to suit up on Sunday. If it is Drew Locke, I I might answer that question differently, but I've got Broncos winning 20 to 17. And I know like my listeners might not hearing that doing the Believe in Steelers podcast. But again, I go back to the struggles we've seen from this offense and it doesn't get in the get doesn't get any easier going up against Von Miller and company from that defensive standpoint for the Broncos. Yeah, it should, it should be a fun matchup then because we both have some weaknesses we're trying to overcome, also some strengths to, to rely on, but it, it could go either way. So see, could... see, I think you're selling your team short because you've got <laughs> the Broncos at three and one, you're top the AFC West division. You're actually head in the standing as against KC right now. So you know, if you get by Pittsburgh this week, you're going to be sitting pretty at four and one headed into week six. So I think you're selling the, the Broncos a little bit short. You're right. I totally am. It's because I am a jaded Broncos fan. I have seen, <laughs> I have, I've suffered now through four losing seasons and I've always felt like the Broncos, even when we had strong teams, they always gave me heart attacks. Like they always try to do as much possible to like, not make me feel confident. We're going to win the game. And we would win often on heart attack plays, which is super exciting, but also still makes me super nervous. What about you? What's your prediction, Lori? I do think it'll be low scoring because I think the defenses will keep this in check. Um, unless it's Drew Locke where we might have a turnover machine and you might have several defensive t- touchdowns. <laughs> but <laughs> let's, let's say not. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Steelers 24-21. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We we're both right near that over under of 39 yeah. and a half. Yeah. So it's like, like I said, I, I do, I am of the belief that points are going to be a premium in this one, but yeah, I- interesting. We both don't believe in our, in our home squads. It. Amazing. Last week definitely knocked me down a few steps from, you know, feeling really good about that three and oh start. Before we hop up here, Lori, I wanted to ask you about what were your thoughts about the Ravens keeping their 100-yard rushing streak going last week? Because I know that that was a point of contention in Broncos country in week four. If you want to be mad about them going for a record, you should be mad that you couldn't have stopped them for the other 100 yards. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I really don't have a problem with it. That's a diplomatic answer. I was hoping we could share a disdain of the Baltimore Ravens franchise. <laughs> well, so, yeah. I kind of give Harbaugh the edge on his retort. Did you hear? He's like, we were throwing it in the end zone in our last possession. He's like, last I saw, there weren't 16 point touchdowns. Like, you know, why are we trying to go to score when we're not going to win? You never know how other scores can happen. It's a fumble happens, you run back to get a touchdown. Always play to score. So, so we can share disdain of, of Harbaugh if you'd like. I don't really like it. <laughs> what I would say is which one? <laughs> <laughs> well, both. All of them. Yeah. It's I just can. like hating the Patriots and hating the Chiefs. Like, you know, you hate them because they keep beating you. 
But then you Very recognize true. they're beating you because they know what they're doing. <laughs> Very true. So at some point, you have to look in the mirror and say, we need to stop them. Like, that's just how it has to happen. And you know what they're going to do. That's been their recipe for success. So it's like, you know, try, try to stop them. And, and yeah. Yeah, the yeah. fact that they even got close to breaking that streak, I think, speaks volumes about the Broncos defense. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was great to talk Steelers Broncos with you. Lori, thank you so much for having me. An honor to join the doctor of words, a real life Twitter ninja as well. <laughs> Again, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. It's been great. And good luck on Sunday. Same to you. You've been listening to Something Something Broncos, a feature of milehighreport.com with Lori Lattimore Volk, Jess Place, and Tim Lynch. Get involved in the conversation at milehighreport.com.